G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. You know, there's like a finality, like you realize that life is finite. And as an engineer, as a numbers person, I thought, well, that's interesting because if you think you're going to live forever, the value of time divided by forever isn't very much. But if the value of time is divided by a finite number, the value goes up exponentially. So what I mean by that is, you know, if, if you're like, eh, it's just a day of my life. Well, if you knew you were going to live for 10 more days, how would you live mm-hmm. if you knew you had 10 days to live? If you thought you would live forever, you probably wouldn't value that day as much. So that's a pretty extreme example. But if you thought you were going to live forever and now you know you're only going to live to 50 or 75 or 100 or 125, you have a vastly different outlook on life. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug with the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Larson. 
Chris is the founder and managing partner of Next Level Income, and he's also the author of Next Level Income, the book, which is how to make, keep, and grow your money using the holy grail of real estate to achieve financial freedom. Chris has been investing and managing real estate for over 20 years, and he's been actively involved in over $150 million worth of real estate acquisitions to date. He founded Next Level Income to help other investors with education so they too can go off and achieve financial freedom just like he has. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and knowledge with the audience. But enough of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Chris. Welcome to the show. How are you doing mate? Reed, I'm doing great. And uh, I, I always love our conversations. I think I'm going to have to start pronouncing my name a little bit differently because you do it so much better than I do. So, <laughs> Well, mate, it's the accent. So got to, you, you have an Indeed. accent to me. So if you came to Australia, you'd be, you'd be the special one. So, But, mate, we met a couple of years back uh, through, through another yeah. Aussie friend of mine who's been on the show before, Bryce Robertson, uh, yep. in, in the little town of Asheville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful yeah. the world. So you're still there, right? We are. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, we had just started our house when you and I met Reed and we're, we're done. We're in it. And yeah, I can't wait to have you out next time you're here. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll put you on the, put you on the, uh, on the, on the to-do list when I come out next time looking at properties, but, uh, but great to, great to see you again. Great to, to have you on the show. Um, let's dive into it. I ask all my, uh, all my guests the same question when we start is rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. I love that question. So um, I, I kind of look, I, th I think like, okay, you know, what job did I do for like my grandmother or something like that? But really my first true job, we grew up in this neighborhood, not too far from Annapolis, Maryland, which is where the Naval Academy is here um, or there. Uh, and it's uh, the Severn River. I was about a half a mile from the Severn River. We had this community beach, which was, it sounds kind of uh, elegant now, but it certainly was, was not that way back then. And I had the uh, glorious job. And that's pretty sarcastic to say that of collecting trash. And I will tell you, if you are emptying trash cans from a beach in the middle of the summer where people are throwing out uh, baby diapers and leftover hamburgers and hot dogs and stuff like that, um, you definitely have an appreciation for you know, what a lot of hardworking people go through. So that was my first job. I can't even remember how much I got paid doing that, but it certainly gave me an appreciation for you know, for, for doing manual labor and doing things that um, people do every day that, you know, sometimes they don't get enough credit for. Yeah, no, that manual labor is so important as you're growing up as a kid, because I remember my dad forcing me to go off and do, you know, I remember building pools and, you know, tying rebar and doing concrete and digging holes when I was like, you know, 13, no, not, not 13, but probably 15, 16, 17 in the summer holidays. And yeah. you just really appreciate you know, getting an education and, and, and you know, yeah. you know, sweat labor is really, really tough. And, and, and knowing oh. that, you know, for me, at least if you lay the foundations and probably sounds like similar to you, you know, do you want to go off to college and you want to, you don't want to have to you know, rely on your two hands to, to dig holes for the rest of your life because it's, it's backbreaking work. So um, yeah, it it's, it's probably cut from the same cloth in terms of our, our upbringing, but, but walk us through the life journey of where you are, you know, brought, which brings you to where you are today and in, in your, your, your journey through real estate. And, you know, did you have a, did you have a W2 originally and, and, and now you're broken out of that? So I don't know, tell me, tell me all of that and, and more. Yeah. So, uh, and we can dive into a couple of different sections. Um, and I, I can even tell the audience how to get a copy of my book, which really kind of goes through you know, a lot of the different things, but, you know, grew up near the Naval Academy about 10 miles away. Um, 
I really had a passion for racing bicycles. So I went to college and all I really wanted to do was race my bike. Um, but I wanted to get a degree that, that was worth something. So I did pretty well in math and science. I was, you know, blessed uh, with, with some genetic capability when it comes to certain things. Um, I was definitely a bit of a nerd. So I, I went to uh, Virginia Tech for engineering and I knew two weeks into it, um, I didn't want to be an engineer. I, I just, I didn't, you know, think about like sitting in front of a computer and doing that. That didn't really appeal to me. And I didn't give it too much thought, Reed, because all I wanted to do was become a professional cyclist. But in between my freshman and sophomore years, my best friend, my training partner, my roommate, Chris Strader passed away. He had a massive brain hemorrhage. It was the first day of summer, 1997. And I go back to school. I was depressed. I didn't want to be an engineering. Um, my grades suffered. I didn't really, I didn't really have a girlfriend or uh, I didn't feel like I was relating to people. You know, I was, I was kind of, you know, I spent the time with the people in the cycling team. Um, I put my head down and I did great that year racing. Um, I was an all American cyclist that year. I was winning, uh, pro-am races like regionally. Uh, and I was a cat. I worked my way up to be a category one cyclist, which you started as a five. And as you score enough points, you get enough uh, race wins. Once you're a one, you can, you can take out a professional license. So you get to race with the pros, even, even if you don't take out the professional license. Um, but as that summer ended and I, I won my friend's Memorial race for the second year running, it was Labor Day weekend. So it's, um, geez, this is about, uh, 24 years ago now, um, um, or 23 years ago, I guess, cause it was the year after, uh, we're talking here. I realized I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't happy. And as I thought about it, I thought, man, I, I got to do more with my life. You know, I've been blessed with this life racing my bike. It's not making me happy. So I quit racing. So now I go back to school the following year. I don't want to be an engineer. I'm not racing my bike. I don't have my best friend. And I just kind of was in this reflective period. And I realized that if I was going to make the most out of my life, I needed to have money and be financially independent. And I was always kind of entrepreneurial. Um, I had a paper route. I sold wrapping paper door to door. Um, I bought and sold loft beds in college. I, I had a, like a landscaping slash uh, like lawn care business uh, on the weekends when I was in high school. So I never had like a real day job, but I was like, well, I want to be an investor. I didn't have much money. Um, I was trading in the stock market and I ended up buying my first property because I found out that real estate was more in line with what I wanted to do. So then um, I entered a career in medical device. Uh, I did that for 18 years and that's how I derived the capital to start investing in these properties. And kind of like you, I didn't start off in multifamily. I started off in single family. I did that for about 15 years before I kind of saw the light. So really over the past five years, that's when we went from, you know, you know, uh, several properties to several hundred and now a couple thousand doors uh, that were uh, that we have under management. Incredible story. And, and my apologies, almost not my apologies, my sorry, I'm sorry for your loss because it can, it can be such a impactful thing on someone's life, particularly at that vulnerable age of not knowing what you're going to do with your, your career and, and coming out of college and all that sort of stuff. But um, very interesting to hear that you were, you broke into professional cycling um, early on and, and I assume you still cycle today. Yeah. So it's uh, it, what's interesting is when I quit racing, I quit racing um, kind of in college and I started up again. My now my my uh, best friend that lives not too far from me, I started coaching him. We started riding together and I was getting on to 30 years old and you can do age graded races. So I started racing again. I got roped into racing for this team that was kind of up and coming and um, even started a developmental cycling team. And then I 
I quote unquote retired again from cycling about six years ago. And what's, what's interesting is I actually enjoy it more now than ever, because if it's raining or it's cold out, I don't have to ride my bike because I don't have a race to prepare for. So I, I ride a few times a week in the winter. Maybe it's once or twice in the summer, maybe it's four or five times. And uh, the cool thing now, Reed, I know we talked about a little bit about families. My older son's 11 and I just took him for our first road ride together on father's day of this year. Mm. And he loves, he loves to ride his bike. I'm going to be coaching his team. So it's, it's gone from, you know, a competitive passion to really, you know, a life and family and social passion. That's uh, it's really given me a lot of life lessons and, and relationships. It's been wonderful. And, and obviously community, right? That's the whole point oh. of you getting in, into, yeah. into any sport, whether it be cycling or, you know, swimming, I was big into swimming back in the day. You know, we, we had, we had nippers, which is a you know, competitive surf life saving in Australia or playing, oh, yeah. playing, oh, wow. playing, playing yeah. rugby, you know, all these sort of yeah. that can help bring, people together and the beauty of the sports that you can do over an extended period of time is that um, like I remember moving to New York city and I didn't know anyone. Right. But I knew how to play rugby really well. So I went and joined the rugby club and instantly as soon as you joined the rugby club, boom, 50 mates, right. Same thing with cycling. I'm sure you Oh, absolutely. It's wonderful. Do you city? It's a cycling club, right? You're going to go join. You don't have to be the best, but it's a, it's a sport that you can continue into your, your, your later, later years. And it's just around coming together and having a camaraderie over a, a passion that you guys love. So, so I, I love that. And, and well said. it's, I think, you know, something that you can, you're probably going to, it sounds like you're going to take on for into your old age and, and beyond. So, um, so awesome. I sure stuff. hope so. Yeah. And it's um, one of those, like one of those things that, you know, unlike rugby, like I don't have to worry about getting hit, um, <laughs> you know, by somebody every time I hop on my bike, I will say, you know, you do have to worry about getting hit by cars or falling right. off and hitting the road and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's a pretty low impact sport. So as long as you're safe and you don't fall off or get hit, um, you can do it for a long time, which is great. Yeah. No, I, I always used to joke that uh, in Australia, obviously Australia is a massive cycling community when I used to live there. And yeah, I, I swear to God. Phenomenal cyclists, yeah. I, I swear to God, there was people who just drive their cars to the cafe, right? Take the bike off the car, put them next to the cafe, and then sit down and have coffee, not actually do any cycling. <laughs> just to be seen in like the cycling gear, walk around like a penguin. Yeah. I always just- <laughs> that so uh, i am not i definitely am not that person i would say that <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm joking i'm throwing shade um but mate look oh, loss a big big part of probably impacting yeah. your life um growing up and, and loss has impacted my life as well looking back you know i think you mentioned 24 years how is it what has it done to you in a way that maybe other people who haven't been impacted as loss you know may not understand or may not assimilate to yeah, I would. So I've, I've kind of over, over the years for a lot of years, I didn't understand it. I just had my feelings and emotions. And, you know, if, if you're listening, whether you've experienced loss or not, you know, humans, we're just not like, it's not part of, especially American culture to kind of talk about your feelings and really be introspective. Um, so through some different things and, you know, being in a long-term relationship with my wife, um, you know, being a father, being a husband, uh, even being a brother and a son, you start to kind of go through some relationships and experiences and start to look back and look inside and think like, where, you know, where are these feelings, where are these actions coming from? And as I read and I even, you know, talked to professionals over the years, one of the things that I came across, um, and I forget if it was uh, Malcolm Gladwell or, um, but it was uh, during a period where I was reading a lot um, kind of about mindset and different things. And the author was talking about how children that lose a parent 
have a higher degree or a higher uh, incidence of success. And I forget if they mentioned this or I kind of, I kind of came up with this myself, but um, one of the comments was that it puts, uh, you know, there's like a finality, like you realize that life is finite. And as an engineer, as a numbers person, I thought, well, that's interesting because if you think you're going to live forever, the value of time divided by forever isn't very much. But if the value of time is divided by a finite number, the value goes up exponentially. So what I mean by that is, you know, if, if you're like, eh, it's just the day of my life. Well, if you knew you were going to live for 10 more days, how would you live? If you knew you had 10 days to live, if you thought you would live forever, you probably wouldn't value that day as much. So that's a pretty extreme example. But if you thought you were going to live forever and now, you know, you're only going to live to 50 or 75 or hundred or 125, you have a vastly different outlook on life. So I, I did, I lost my father at five, but I think the, and that was probably in the back of my head, especially as I kind of had my foot down as I drove towards um, 41, which is the age my father died, but the bigger impact. And I know, you know, you can relate to some of these, uh, things read was when my best friend died, because I was like, Holy cow, he was 18. I thought, what if I died tomorrow? That's part of the reason I quit, quit racing because I thought like, is this really the highest and best use of my life? Mm. And I thought, well, am I honoring the life I've been given? And then I thought, am I honoring Chris's life that he doesn't have anymore. And I thought like, I've got to honor both my life and his life. Um, and I really realized, you know, people are like, Chris, you don't, you don't have to work anymore. Like, you know, we have enough money coming in from our passive investments. People are like, why do you still do all this? And the reason is like, I can, and mm -hmm. I, I can have an impact. And, you know, but that's over the years, I've realized that that's what really drives me. And I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but you know, if you're listening and you've experienced loss, um, you can probably relate to, to that feeling in some way. No, I, you said it really, really well, mate. I, I, for those, I think I've talked a little bit on this podcast. If not, you actually asked me about one of the, 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 the photos up in the top, I guess it's the left-hand screen of, of the, of the viewers, but, uh, it's a picture yeah, of my sister and, yeah. um, my sister and I, in front of my younger sister's grave, she and she passed away when, when, when she was six and I was 11. So I had, I, I experienced loss early on in my life as mm. well. Obviously I didn't lose a parent like you did, but it's still, you know, processing that as a child. And I probably didn't process that, that as much as when my mum passed away, um, about four years ago, uh, here in the, when I was in the United States. And so it's, uh, you know, I've had immediate loss in my family and, and it really puts things in pers to perspective like you're talking about. And I did a podcast actually probably the year after my mum died uh, called, talking about priorities versus goals and how we are all on this journey as entrepreneurs to get to the, to the mountaintops. We, and we're going to scale many mountaintops, whether it be in your cycling career or in, you know, business or in, you know, me playing rugby, you know, like, and there's always going to be the next mountaintop to scale. And sometimes with that day of your, your, your analogy of, taking a day for granted, it's also enjoying the journey. Like there's always this rush culture of like, I need to be at the mountaintop tomorrow. And so I'm just going to block out family, block out, you know, life, block out health, block out whatever relationships to, to hustle in this hustle culture. And, and not that there's anything wrong with hustling or, 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 you know, perceived hustle culture, but there's also balance and balance is really important in what we do and removing, you know, someone told me one time when you're sitting at 80 years of age, talking to your grandkids about 
you know, whether you own 2,000 units or 10,000 units, they don't really care as long as their granddad's there to, to talk to them and share life with them. And that's so important yeah. that, uh, that, that we, 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 we not slow down, but just be mindful of the, the, the value of being alive today. And it goes back to yeah. what you're talking about, valuing every day. And if you had a finite period to live, you would probably change, vastly change trajectories on how you work you know, in your day, what you do go out and pursue when you wake up every morning and the goals you go out and achieve, they're probably going to change if you know that you're only going to live for another 20 more years. So yeah, when, when, someone change, when someone challenges you that, I challenge all the listeners, you know, what, what is that in life? What does that look like? And I think when you boil it all back to both where you started and where I started, you know, financial freedom is about, you know, for me, it was at least getting out of my W2 job out of being in a cubicle you know, control of my time. And it sounds like the same with you. So thank you for sharing that with me. I think it's, it's really, really important and, and something that, as you say, most, and particularly men in, in the Western world, don't really talk a lot about is feelings in and around, you know, loss and how that's affected and, and being open with others. So for those people out there listening, if you are going through any sort of loss or have gone through loss, you don't know how to struggle with it. There are many phone lines, you know, uh, out there that can help, um, please reach out to both Chris and I, if you do, uh, are struggling through stuff like that, because we've gone through it personally. Um, so with that being said, Chris, let's, let's, we'll take it into a, a bit more, uh, lighter realm, but what are you doing today in, in your business? You mentioned earlier that you, you are, you have retrieved financial freedom. So you, you know, you don't need to work anymore. So what are you doing now that's helping you get out of bed every day? Yeah. So it, it is interesting. And one of the things I like to say is, you know, if, if you achieve financial independence and by the way, I believe that anyone in this country can, and you're, I mean, you're, you're a great example. I just, I was writing a quote for uh, your podcast that you were on uh, with me here just this morning, Reed, just talking about like, this is a true American dream story with, with Reed Goosens. Um, so you guys have to check out, check out his interview. It was wonderful. Um, but no, I think once, you know, once you don't have to work, once you are free to make the choices in your life, you're a better person. And some people aren't good people and maybe they're going to continue to not be a good person. Um, but you are the best version of yourself, in my opinion, when you are free to follow your passions and your dreams and do those things. So for years, you know, I started with my first property at 21 and it took me over 15 years to be, you know, financially independent. And one of the reasons is, you know, you read these people that are like fire, they're financially independent, retired early, they're 30 years old. I didn't want to be one of those people that was living on three grand a month and didn't have kids or, you know, was, you know, sitting at home when their wife was working or spouse was working. It's like, I want, I want to have it all. Like I want a family, you know, I want, um, you know, nice things. We're not extravagant by any means, but, you know, we were able to build you know, really our dream home here in Asheville, which is a nice size. Um, you know, we were able to host a lot of people. We eat nice dinners. We, you know, we uh, um, buy, you know, we buy quality uh, cars and bikes if I want those sorts of things. So it takes a little bit longer if you, if you uh, don't skimp on some of those things. Um, but what I found was I hit that point and it was a little depressing, you know, kind of like the, the dog that catches the car, right? You're like, well, Hey, I'm a financially independent. I don't have to do this anymore. And then I realized it, it was really, I had this feeling of dread and I was talking to my coach about it. And what I realized was that I didn't know what it would be like to not be needed. Mm -hmm. And I was scared of not being relevant. And I feel I, this was only in the past year, Reed. I thought, well, geez, like how, you know, helping investors, helping people, you know, take part in some of these uh, deals that we do. It's fun, but 
I was like, well, I need to do more. I ended up starting coaching because I really wanted to have a bigger impact. Um, started working with a local nonprofit and started a, a financial literacy program. And what happened over the past year is I evolved from having a very narrow vision of achieving financial independence myself and you know, bringing a few people along for the ride to having this bigger vision of how can Next Level Income, which was founded on financial education, impact more people, impact a broader audience so that more people can see that financial independence is, is a reality, like your example shows people, which is one of the reasons we had you on the show, but also help them shortcut that path. And it doesn't have to be my path or your path. And we have, we have people that use short-term rentals, you know, that achieve financial independence, businesses, um, you know, all kinds of different things. So, you know, really aside from spending more time with my family, you know, less time, um, picking up the phone at 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. when I'm when I'm with my boys making breakfast, taking them to school, making dinner. Maybe like last night, um, we're like kind of snuggling on the couch watching a movie on a weeknight. You know, those things are super important to me, but also, you know, doing things like this, sharing my story and helping others try to find the quickest path to financial independence is really what we're all about. And I will say, reflecting back to you, it's so it's so interesting. I went through something similar when I when I quit the, the corporate world because you know coming to America, and I'm sure a lot of people, and you, including yourself, right, the North Star for such a long period of time when you get bitten by the real estate bug or the financial independent bug is quit your day job, quit your day job, quit your day job. Yeah. That's that's the North Star, right? You, you, you're Absolutely. striving towards it. And then when you get there, you're right. It's the dog that catches the car. You're like, oh. Okay, what's next? <laughs> and I remember I got there a couple of years ago. I'm 35 today, um, but I got there a couple of years ago. But it was then trying to have to recalibrate my brain to because we are human, right? We have human needs. We want to, you know, you're, you're you're speaking about being relevant in the world is such a driver, and that then obviously takes it to being what's the new north star. And for you know six to 12 months, in combination with losing my mum, go back to loss there was, you know, realization of what is that new North star. And, yeah. and I think for me, at least um, being present and, and then having something that's bigger than yourself, because we are so consumed with selfishly getting out of the rat race, right? When we start on this journey, like I think you are, and most of the listeners are that we don't, when you do get there, you, you've got to take that pause. And I, I applaud you for taking it and then being, creating something bigger than just yourself. Right, because we all pitch, oh, I want to help all these people, but actually going out and doing it is another thing. So, talk to me a little bit about next level income and what you're doing in and around financial literacy, because I think that is so important in helping not only you feel like you're relevant, but you know, playing a bigger game, you know, and having more people participate in that game. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value add deals, then head over to readgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you will automatically be notified about my new up and coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to readgoosens.com and sign up today. Now back into the show. We have a couple, couple of things just to touch on what you just said. So first off, like it's, 
you almost have to do it. I was just uh, reading or listening to something talking about like being selfish. And it's like, you know, people are like, Oh, it's, you know, that's selfish to, to, to do this or do that or take time for yourself. It's like, but then people talk about self-care. Oh, I'm having self-care Friday mm-hmm. or I'm doing like self-care is selfish, you know, <laughs> working, working out is selfish, you know, you, you know, sleep, you know, having the proper sleep is selfish. You're taking care of yourself. Achieving financial independence for yourself, for your family could be termed selfish, but mm-hmm. at the same time, is it selfish to put the oxygen on your face in an airplane before you help others? Like if you're, if you're not healthy, if you, you know, you're not uh, comfortable, you know, with your own path in life, if you're not mentally, you know, prepared and mentally clear, then you're going to have a hard time helping other people. So I just want to say that, you know, it, it's okay to focus on all those things before you do that. Um, but as far as the bigger vision, I challenge anybody that's listening. Yeah. Think bigger. Like what happens is we get down this path and we're linear. So we're, we're, we're numbers. We think analytically read, right? Life isn't it. Life isn't linear. It's, it's, it's curvilinear. It's exponential and we can do so much more. And that's what I've realized here. So next level income, I kind of stumbled into it, frankly, a few years ago, my marketing lead, uh, Caleb, uh, who I think, uh, you know, as well. Um, he's like, Hey, you know, you should start a podcast and he's thinking like, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't want to do a podcast. Seems like a lot of work. I'm still working 68, 80 hours a week. Sometimes, you know, I got, I got a family. And then, you know, what I realized was people would ask me questions and I, I like to help. I like to share. I've been helped a lot. You know, so I'd write an email, I'd have a phone call and then a month would go by. I'd have the same email or phone call. And then two weeks would go by, then a week went by. And then I was writing the same emails and having the same conversations, you know, every week. And I thought, well, podcast is a great idea because I can curate this information. And I started to write a blog and then Caleb thought I should, he's like, yeah, you could write a book. So I formatted it and being an engineer, I kind of came up with this structure and I actually only, it took me two weeks to write my book. So you, wow. you actually get a free copy at nextlevelincome.com. We have a book link there. Um, if you're listening, um, but it was a really fun experience to figure that out. And you've written a couple books. So you, you know, you know, now it took like two months to edit. So it wasn't done in two weeks, but, um, so all that started happening. And then what I realized was there was a real thirst. There was a real need. And, you know, when you get those phone calls, like I just had a phone call from a young gentleman and he literally called and said, Chris, you've changed my life. Wow. And I had two conversations with this guy and that was the second one. And so the first convert, he, he was reading the podcast, he's reading the blog, you know, listen to the podcast. I had one conversation with him, you know, and he said, you, you've changed. He actually said our lives, my, my wife and I said, I was like, wow, like that's, that's really cool when you hear something like that. And it's like, okay, how can you, how can I help more people? Um, you know, so uh, what we've done next level income, the mission is to help people achieve financial independence through education and opportunities. So education is the first thing. We try to provide education to help people make more money, keep more of your money, because that's what matters at the end of the day. The IRS is, is very complex with its tax code. So if you can have a proper tax strategy, real estate is wonderful for these things. You can ultimately keep more of your money. And then once you have that money, how does it work for you? How do you grow your money? So it's called the make, keep and grow strategy. And then the other part of next level income is opportunities. So we talk about education and opportunities. So we have opportunities to invest in what, what I love, which is multifamily self-storage. Uh, we also do some commercial office. 
Uh, you and I were just talking about our first mobile home park that closed here recently in South Carolina, which was uh, kind of an adventure. Um, so, you know, it's, and people can have their own opportunities as, as well to do that. So it's really helping them, you know, figure out the information and then ultimately giving them the opportunities that are out there. And then the coaching that we're working on and expanding going into 2022 is again, it's to help people, you know, take that information and then actually apply it and have an accountability process through that. And then ultimately have a community that we're building behind the scenes. So now this means you can talk to people like you and I have, we were talking about mentors when you and I were on the show, you know, have mentors or partners um, or, or potential future partners that can help you on your path. So, you know, as we build out the quote unquote ecosystem of next level income, that gives you kind of a sneak peek going into the future here. That's, that's awesome, man. And I think that having those little tidbits or feedback that someone you're helping someone for the better is just, yeah. it just must make you feel so much, so much more empowered to keep, to keep going on what your this journey that you created for yourself. So well done. I, I applaud you for, for everything you're doing. Um, what I guess the, the, the next question from that is, you mentioned what you're investing in today. You said you did a whole slew of things, multifamily, um, you know, commercial office, self-storage. What's been the, the most interesting deals or asset type that you, you, you like in today's market? Yeah, so started, I mean, I call it, look, my book, it says right on here, the holy grail of real estate. So I call, I call multifamily the holy grail, apartments the holy grail. I go all through it in my book, like why I think it's the holy grail. Um, and that's the bulk of what we invest in and what, um, we have most of our personal um, money invested in. Um, but I also, I'm, I'm not blind to the fact that the world's changing. So mobile homes, for instance, like when we first started in multifamily, we were buying 70s, 80s vintage properties. So I think as cap rates have compressed, and I know you know this, you know the market really, really well, Reed. Um, I was concerned that, you know, investors would not be rewarded for the risk they're taking in some of these lower caliber properties. Whereas I think mobile home, there's still that opportunity out there. And if you look at mobile home, if you look at self-storage, which are two recent additions to our portfolio, personal portfolios and offerings, I look at the drivers. So multifamily, it's owned institutionally. Like we were talking about kind of some of the adventures in the mobile home park and, you know, um, institutions and professionals are really trading, buying, improving, selling multifamily deals, like these big institutional quality multifamily deals like you own. Mobile home parks, self-storage, they're smaller deals. And you know, if 75 to 80% of these big multifamily deals are owned by large players or institutions, it's the inverse in mobile homes and self-storage. So there's some inefficiencies in those markets, which is why you have sellers um, like we were dealing with that we're doing some things that were probably not legal, shall we say, um, and they don't run them well. So there's inefficiencies that can be exploited. Uh, so I think there's some opportunities in self-storage um, and mobile home. Um, and then uh, again, there's, you know, there's some other things that we do uh, within next level income. Uh, like we talk about using cash value life insurance to help optimize your investment flows in and out, protect your family and do things like that. So, um, but from the investment perspective, it's going to be multifamily. It's going to be self-storage mobile homes. Um, and we also do the odd commercial office project as well in select markets. That's, that's awesome. And what markets are you in? You know, that's probably a good segue into yeah. where are you investing around the country? Is it in your backyard or are you investing across uh, the other side of the USA? 
Yeah. Well, my, my story isn't quite as dramatic as yours. I didn't move around the world to find, um, you know, my, my American dream, so to speak, but I did move from Maryland to North Carolina. So I grew up in Maryland, went to school in Virginia. My wife and I were living just across the border, uh, in Virginia. Um, just, just like we could see DC from our condo really close. Um, it was, it was a fun area, but I was looking at the demographics. So I got into the medical device industry because of the demographics, I mean, there's no secret that baby boomers were working out. They needed surgery. They're living longer. So I was in orthopedic sales, spine, orthopedic spine sales because of the demographics. Multifamily appealed to me because of the demographics. And I thought, well, if I'm going to work, if I'm going to buy real estate, I should do it where people are moving. So I looked around the country. I also looked at areas that, and I still have the spreadsheet, by the way. Um, I was just organizing my files this past week and it says where to live is my name of my spreadsheet. Um, and I, I stack ranked all these cities, just like you and I do when we go through these, you know, multifamily um, properties and, and areas of the country. And I said, man, Southeast is going to be where people are going to be moving. And remember, this is almost 20 years ago that I was doing this. Um, so looked, looked around the Southeast, also looked at Colorado, Arizona, some other areas. Um, uh, didn't look at Texas, although that's one of our, our target markets. So we moved to the Southeast, but we don't invest in the Southeast because we live here. We live here because we invest here, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So uh, the markets that we own properties in or have owned properties in um, Atlanta, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, and we're focused mostly on secondary markets. So we're talking about like Charlotte, Raleigh, Charleston, Greenville, uh, Orlando is not really a secondary market anymore. It's a probably top five market. Um, today. Um, but we also like Texas as well. So some of the bigger markets, which, uh, compliments to you for being in Texas. Um, it's been on tear, absolute tear here. Um, you know, some of the self storage deals were a little bit more spread out because there's some secondary and tertiary opportunities that we exploit. But the, those markets that I just mentioned are the big ones that, uh, we really like, and we're very bullish on going forward. And the, the COVID pandemic has just put an accelerant fuel in the fire for those markets. Yeah, we're seeing the exact same thing across our yeah. chosen markets and you know, tracking where jobs are going and where you know, movement of populations and um, just the Absolutely. shift in, in how uh, what, you know, jobs, you know, good paying jobs are moving to the secondary tertiary markets and thus that's having a, an effect on uh, rental prices. So I think you're going to see it across yeah. a lot of different asset classes, like you mentioned, mobile home parks, self-storage, um, obviously office space and in the multifamily space. So awesome stuff. Um, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years, both personally and in your business? Yeah, I'm trying to think bigger. Like it's, it's interesting. This year has been fantastic. Um, so, you know, we're going to continue to grow the real estate portfolio. We're over 2000 units now, um, five years, I think, you know, 5,000 to 10,000 doors, uh, is, is a target there, but really the coaching business, you know, we're looking to expand that here as well. And, you know, not forgetting the first thing that I kind of mentioned there, you know, my kid, my boys are nine and 11 and I see first and foremost, you know, being, being with them and being an integral part of their lives as they become young men and, you know, doing more trips with them, more, more bike rides, uh, and I'll probably still be here in Asheville because it gives us a really great quality of life as we work towards all those things. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, at the end of every show, we like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Absolutely. Let's do it. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? I've been meditating for over five years and, you know, my, my, my doctor told me, uh, over five years ago, he's like, Chris, you don't need to like speed up. You need to slow your brain down. So just getting up, 
meditating for 15 to 20 minutes every morning and remembering what I'm grateful for and then focusing on what my big objective is, like, you know, the long-term objective, not diving right in to emails, uh, but focusing on that, that thing that I'm really kind of trying to move as a big rock has really helped me over the past five years. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how much meditation has helped me in my personal life as well. It's just taking, slowing down, but also being, um, what's the word, in, uh, you know, really intentional about what you're going to attack the day with and not just filling it up with busy work. So, awesome. so, so, so love that sort of stuff. Uh, question number two, who's the most influential person in your career? In my career. Wow. That's a, whew. um, I would say, so talking about my real estate career versus my, my investing career. Um, the first group I invested with, um, the, they're still friends of mine, Chad and Dan. Um, they not only really introduced me to this space, but also helped my original partner and I get through our first deal. And I'd be remiss if I didn't, if I didn't mention them. Um, but in my book, I talk about, uh, our family friend, Clint Provenza, and he's the one that introduced me to both cycling as well as investing. And both of those things helped me develop the habits and the skills and the relationships that ultimately put me on that investing path to end up meeting those two gentlemen as well. That's awesome. I love, I love that type of stuff. Um, question number three is what's the most influential tool in your business? When I say tool, it could be a physical tool, like a, a journal or your phone, or it could be a piece of software. What is it? Yeah. So I recently started implementing uh, a new system, a new piece of software uh, called Notion, N-O-T-I-O-N. And it's, I'm actually in the middle of a course right now that I'm going through. Um, and it's really helping me pull together, you know, all the different parts of my, um, my organization, even from a family and health perspective, but also from a business perspective. So um, like Trello is, is a nice system to organize projects and you can do stuff like that within it. Um, and I've, I just started working with a VA. So being able to prioritize and then, and then hand off those tasks and outsource um, after we've kind of really optimized the systems has been huge. That's awesome. That's awesome stuff. Cool, man. Uh, and the question was, what has, what has been the biggest failure or lesson in your life? And what did you learn from that? We may have already spoken about it, but yeah. what has it been in, in sort of one sentence? I think uh, thinking too small. And, you know, I can, I can apply that to multiple different things. So I'll expand on it just, just very briefly. Sure. And, you know, I think a lot of people have this scarcity mindset when they start out. And they think small or they're like, oh, I don't want to tell anybody about this idea I have because, you know, they might take the idea and do it instead of me. And I, I transformed that mindset over the past several years into what I would call an abundance mindset and thinking like there's enough deals for everybody. There's enough money for everybody. And that allowed me to expand my network. And really, when you expand your network and start connecting people and have people help connect you, um, that reverses that whole thing. So if you, if you don't have a mentor, if you don't have a, a network, if you don't have accountability, if you're not sharing ideas with other people and learning from somebody and teaching other people, change your mindset, have an abundant mindset, surround yourself with people that have a similar mindset and are willing to share and help others grow. It will do amazing things for you. I completely agree. No, that's so thinking too small is probably some things that we all get stuck on. And I think you mentioned earlier in the show about how there's so many people you come across in the professional world that just don't know how to take that to wean themselves off the W2 income because it's all about mindset. So, so love it. Mate, last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. Where do they go? 
yeah, nextlevelincome.com, nextlevelincome.com. As I mentioned, you can get our book for free there. Uh, you can also reach out to me, Chris, at nextlevelincome.com. Uh, if there's anything that I mentioned today and I can help you out with on your personal journey towards financial independence, please let me know. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to jump on the show. I want to just you know, reflect some of the feedback that I took away from today's show. I think the biggest thing is in around, you know, uh, you know, being, knowing that you're valuable, right? And understanding through certain lessons in life that you can be more than what you originally thought of yourself. And you came through some, some early lessons, some, some lessons early on in your life that you were able to pull upon to say, hey, I've got more to give. Um, I've got more to, 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 to live for. Uh, and that has helped me put your mindset into perspective of being really intentional about what you do in your day and how you go back about, you know, one, achieving financial freedom for yourself, but then getting to a point where you are now at a, at a position to share it with others has really been a true t testament to yourself and how you've grown as a human, I think, through some early you know, challenges in your life. So, um, so, so firstly, well done, but secondly, did it leave anything out? No, it's fantastic, man. Awesome stuff. Well, look again, thank you so much for jumping on today's show. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up very, very soon. Thank you, Reed. Well, there you have another cracking uh, episode full of some incredible advice from Chris. If you do want to get check out of any of his stuff, remember to head over to nextlevelincome.com and remember to get a, a copy of his free book. It's a widely really, really well available and it's a cracking book to get your hands on to really learn more about you know, what you can do with your with, with what you have today. If you are a professional looking to try and break out of your W-2 income, really highly uh, encourage people to go over there and check out Chris. Remember, uh, thank you all again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ. Remember, if you are interested in investing with myself and checking out some of the deals I've got going on, head over to readducers.com and click on Invest with Reed. And we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. <laughs>